I'm going to walk us through Psalm chapter 8 today. You can go there and um, just get your Bibles open and start looking at it. I'm just going to walk us through this beautiful picture of who the Lord is and who we are. There's, there's a combination in this passage, in this um, psalm, that, that talks about who God is and uh, who the Lord is and then talks about humanity and how God created us to live in, in this world. So, Psalm chapter 8, let's go. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens through the praise of children and infants. You have established a stronghold against our enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and all the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Now that is a powerful passage of scripture because it not only talks about who God is his majesty but it talks about how he created us to rule over his earth and our responsibility to it as well but I want us to focus first on who God is Lord our Lord A.W. Tozer said this what comes into your minds when you think about God is the most important thing about us now think about that for just a second. How you view God, how you think about God, how you understand God, how you know God is the most important thing about you. We work a lot on ourselves. Good. You need to work a lot on yourself. Trust me. I look at you. I see you. I see me. I look in the mirror and say that needs a lot of work. I look at my own heart, I look at my own life, I look at everything, and so should you. We need to understand ourselves. But the most important thing we need to understand is that we are created in the image of God, and God has a purpose for our lives. And how we see God and the whole picture of who we are is the most important thing that we need to understand about ourselves. That God made us, that God put us here for a purpose, that God has a plan for our lives that God rules over all of the heavens. Everything that we know and see and understand is God's design and God's creation. And he put us here for a reason. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Proverbs 9.10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom and understanding. Wisdom and understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the Holy One, knowing the Holy One, understanding Him, having a mind full of His knowledge gives us real understanding. There's a lot of things out in this world. There's a lot of stuff going on. And there's a lot of truths out there. But there is only one divine truth and there's only one divine understanding. There's only one great wisdom and that's the wisdom of God. 
And until we embrace, embrace who God is, until we put ourselves in the place where we can really hear from him and really understand him, really get to know him, get to know his, the knowledge that he has for us, the wisdom that he longs to show us, until we put ourselves in that position, we will fall short, not only of what God has placed us here, but fall short of ourselves. God has a plan for my life. What does he want me to do? Where does he want me to go? How does he want me to think? What does he want me to believe? One of the great things I've came to understand late in my life is, too late in my life, is you can believe whatever you want, right? You can believe whatever you want. You can believe whatever truth you want, whatever understanding you have. You can claim to have this deeper knowledge that no one else knows. Look at the leaders of this world and what they believe and understand that God has something bigger than that in his understanding. The smartest people on our planet need to submit to this reality and this truth that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. How majestic is your name? Majestic. Let's break that word down. Lofty, imposing, stately, grand. Lofty, above all, over all, imposing. You ever think of God as being imposing? He is. His majesty is imposing. His power, his wonder, his magnificence, his majesty is imposing. You see the heavens, we see the stars, we see his creation, we see all the things that he's made, it's imposing. And you can't just ignore him. And you can't just ignore who he is or what he's done. To do so is a lack of wisdom and understanding. God is imposing. Stately. You know, I... I have to admit, I've seen things that I wish I hadn't seen. Anybody else? I've seen things on TV that I wish I hadn't seen. And some of those things involve the family guy. I repent. I, I really do. One of the things that just always bothered me was, is when they have this picture of God as a cartoon. And it's so stupid. It's so beyond any wisdom, any understanding, their knowledge, their vision of who God is is just so short. It's so human. And we have to be careful of that. That this God that we know, this God that we see, this God we embrace, is stately, is far above anything I can envision in my own mind until he reveals that to me. I said that at the beginning of this, before I even preached today, only the Holy Spirit can bring these truths alive to our hearts. Everything else I can understand in my head or I can embrace with my mind, I can, that's IQ stuff, that's understanding here. But the revelation of who God really is is the Holy Spirit making him real to me, bringing that presence of God into my heart and into my mind that shakes my world and changes my mind. And the real conversion of our lives, the real point where we come into contact with that awesome, stately, imposing God transforms us. 
And there's too many Christians who walk in this world and they have this, you know, I go to church and I have this go to church and do the right thing and make some changes in my life and that's good enough and it's not. That conversion experience that I, that I had when I was five years old, by the way, for me, the first time I accepted Christ as my Savior in Sister Jones's kindergarten class, that was, a, that was a, a moment in my life that was important. But this conversion continues. That's the idea of conversion. You keep being converted. You keep being transformed. You keep being changed. And the presence of God in our lives changes us. His truth revealed into our hearts transforms us. It makes us into who he needs us to be and what he's called us to be. And the final word, of course, is grand. God is grand. Grand and above all things. And his name is majestic because his name encompasses who he is. Jehovah, Yahweh, Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Godhead three in one, the Trinity, God himself. That name, that name speaks of his majesty. That name speaks of his glory. That name speaks of his wonder and just who he is. And notice I underline the word holy, the Holy Spirit. Don't underestimate the holiness of God. Don't underestimate the holiness of God. Don't try to downgrade God's holiness to make it attainable for us. It's one of, the, one of the dangers that I find in Christianity today because the Bible does say, be holy for I am holy, right? And so we work at this purifying our hearts and making sure we don't say the wrong thing or, or accidentally fall into sin and all of that is important and, and right. But the holiness of God is so far above our holiness or anything we could ever achieve by our lists of do's and don'ts that it makes things different for us. We don't pursue holiness in our own effort. We don't pursue God's holiness by what we do or we don't do. We pursue God and we discover this holiness that's way beyond us and it humbles us to the point where we seek Him, where we want to know Him, where we want to crawl into His presence and say, oh God, lift me up. That is a holy God. And the encounters that we have with this holy God cause us to change. Cause us to be transformed. Because they cause us to tremble. They call us to weep. They cause us to cry out, Oh God, my God. Lord, our Lord. Until we know this holy God, until we understand just how amazing he is, that this God chose us. That's, that's when things turn. Because God didn't choose us by accident, and he didn't create us out of some whim. He didn't have too much time on his hands, so he said, oh, let's make these human beings. Let's just see what happens. He not only is a holy God who is stately and majestic, he's a holy God who created you in his image. 
And that transforms how I live more than anything I can tell you because I humble myself before him and walk under his holy presence. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Look at this. Look at this. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold. What is a stronghold? It's a safe space. Everybody's looking for safe space these days. Have you noticed that? I, I didn't grow up that way. My safe space was anywhere but home, I think. And that was my goal, just discover the world. Go as many places as I could. If it meant I had to get on an airplane and go somewhere I went, I wanted to travel, I wanted to know. I wanted to live in places and see places that were not very safe. And those things are fine. Safe spaces are a good thing. People shouldn't feel threatened. But they're not real, realistic, are they? A stronghold is far much more than just a place to be safe. It's a place to be safe from true and real danger. Against the enemies who are out there, who are enemies against God. Not about me. Not about my safety and my security. And in Christianity, we, we have this problem sometimes that we want Christianity to be this safe space. And it's not supposed to be safe. In fact, if we can live in this nice, comfortable little Christian world and just keep ourselves from all of the dangers around us, we're not doing what we're called to do. We're not being who we're called to be. God's called us to be mighty and fierce and strong and courageous, overcomers, conquerors. That's what he's, that's what he's placed us here for. Those things are not safe. It puts us on the front lines of what he's called us to do. It puts us out there, man. And without God as my shield and God as my fortress and God as my stronghold, I cannot be safe. But with him, I am always safe. Paul maybe said it best. He just said, there's nothing in this life worth holding on to. I'm willing to give it all up so that I might please him, so that I might glorify him. In fact, he said, it would be my honor to die as Christ died. It would be the highest place in my life. It would be the greatest calling on my life. It's not safe. It's not supposed to be safe. But look at what he talks about here. The praises of children and infants. When we see the children, when we hear the children, there's something amazing about that, isn't there? There's something transformative about that. You know I love kids. That's why I had four of them. I love kids. I wish my kids would give me more grandkids. What's the matter with them? But that's not going to happen, so I'm going to have to just ruin the one I've got. <laughs> that's it. Listen to what a child knows. This is why I love kids. They just have this innocence about them, this childlike voice of faith. 
just believe. They just believe. You don't have to have three bullet points to explain it to them. They just believe. You don't have to go into some deep theological understanding and walk through the trails of the Old Testament and the New Testament and tie all these things together and study numerology and creation and and revelation and all those things. I mean, all those things are great. I studied all that stuff. I still do. But they just believe. And at the end of the day, no matter what we discover, how wise we are, how strong we are, how intelligent we are, just believe. Take that childlike innocence stance. Just believe that we serve this majestic God. This majestic God, whose name is above all names, who's always worthy of our praise, even when the world is falling apart around us. Our God stands, our God reigns, our God is mighty. Our God is determined to walk with us even when we are not determined to walk with him. That's our God. Children know the voice of their father from early on. It's the fear of God sometimes, isn't it? I used to love that about my kids. I never had to beat them. I just had to threaten them. I just had to say, kids, last nerve, you're on it. Get off. And they would run scrambling outside. Anything, anywhere away from me was a safe space. Fear of God. But they know their father's voice. They know when it's tender. They know when it's corrective. They know when it's compassionate. They know when it's joyous. They know when it's full of laughter. And that's why they run to your arms. They know their father's voice. Do you know your father's voice? You're taking someone else's word for it? When I stand up here and tell you God is great and God is awesome and God is majestic and God is holy, you're just taking my word for it? You're just trusting I'm telling you something that's deep and something you can relate to? Or are you entering into his presence yourself so that you can know him that way too? I can't take you all the way into his presence. I can't walk with you there because the presence of God is so ominous and so holy and so majestic. It's a one-on-one experience and you have to go there. You have to. You really have to. This isn't optional stuff. This isn't suggestive stuff. This isn't God saying, well, maybe if you want to know me, you can. God is waiting for us to know him. I said last week that God danced at my wedding and somebody came to me and said, come on. I said, no, listen, I was there. And I know my dad was there too. I know my father was rejoicing with me, celebrating with me, celebrating with the union that he brought us to, that covenant marriage that he called us to. I know he was there. Because I know him. That's the call on our hearts. The other thing kids know about their dads is he's the biggest guy on the planet. And he's tougher than their dad. So when their enemies come against them, 
My dad's bigger than your dad. Don't make me call my dad. I face the world that way. You need to face the world that way. You need to look at the world and say, you know what? Scream your heads off. Dance in the streets. Do whatever you want to do. My dad's bigger than yours. He can whoop you up one side, down the other. And I'm going to watch. Because he's my dad. That's what kids know about their dads. That's what they believe. That's what they believe. Look how God created us. What is humanity that God cares? What is mankind that God is mindful of them? You know what that means? It means you're always on his mind, and it's not a Willie Nelson song. That he created us to rule all of, all over all of creation. The birds of the air, the fish of the sea. God created us. He put us in authority over all of those things. And that means we need to be careful with the things he's blessed us with. We have a responsibility. It's not just all fun and games. We have a responsibility. Created us just below the angels of heaven. And everything is under our feet. Isn't that amazing? Why would he do that? Why would he do that? I wouldn't trust me. I wouldn't trust you either. I'm not looking at you saying, hey, good luck, take care of the earth, have a good time. You're, you're the best thing on the planet. We are? You ever think that? We're the best thing on the planet? You look around at humanity and say, God must have got something wrong. But he didn't. He didn't. You know, I grew up in the 70s. Let me just give you an update. We've come a long way, baby. I remember the Fox River in Waukesha being so dirty you couldn't touch the thing. We've come a long way. Humanity and its ability to destroy also has the ability to heal and to restore. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. And we need to do some of those things to our planet and to ourselves. Allow for healing. Put everything under our feet. We're responsible for it. Take responsibility. I went into a parking lot this morning. I don't know why I'm telling you this. There was trash all over the place. I thought, who does that? Who does that? Do you do that? You don't throw your stuff out the window, do you? If you do, talk to me. You'll hear the voice of the Father. <laughs> and look at this last part. God crowned them with glory and honor. Crowned them with glory and honor. You ever look in the mirror and say, you're crowned with glory and honor. You don't, do you? You think, what happened to you? That's what I do. I was walking to watch a guy walk down the street the other day, and I thought, gray hair, gray beard. Oh, my Lord, that's me. Do I look like that? Am I that old? Then I noticed, <laughs> then I noticed he had knee-high white socks on. And I went, <laughs> that's not me. And I thought, where do you even get knee-high white socks? Who buys knee-high white socks? Where do you go to the 
Catholic school girls store and get <laughs> knee-high whites? I mean, where do, you, where do you find them? The 70s store? I, I didn't understand. How do you find them? I don't know. Just who's got them? Mitch, do you still have them? You do, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right. We look at ourselves and we judge ourselves a little too harshly. We need to see ourselves as our Father sees us crowned with glory and honor. What an amazing thing. God created us with a plan and a purpose, but beyond that, He created us and crowned us with glory and honor. Wear the crown. Put the crown on. Wear it proudly. Let the world see the glory of God in you. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's a declaration. It's a statement of faith. It's a statement of hope. It's not a question. It's not wondering. He's not hoping he's right. He believes. Childlike faith. It's a statement of faith that takes you to the next level. Lord, our Lord. My Lord, how majestic is your name. It's the praise of his children. It's the praise of his children. If you're a child of God, straighten out your crown. Look in the mirror. Stand up straight. Worship him with all of your heart and all of your mind and all of your spirit. Enter into his presence every chance you get. Humble yourself before him, and he will raise you up. He will raise you up because you've been crowned with glory and honor. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you for your presence in our service today and allowing us to be here. Be exalted, O Lord, in all the earth. Be exalted in our hearts and in our lives. Be exalted in us. Help us see ourselves as you see us crowned with glory and honor. Children of the King, created in your image, help us, Lord, to serve you in all the earth that you've called us to serve, to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray.